Welcome to Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast, Season 2, Episode 16, which is also Episode 5 of our pre-season shows. This is an audio only, so you can imagine whatever you like as we share some of our pre-pandemic life and imaginings with you. Doesn't it seem like everybody and the mother has a podcast? Oh, oh, so I started a podcast with my mom. We wanted to think song so you could sing along. The show, it starts now. Are you going to record this? Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. That's from Oh Hi. Oh Hi. That is delicious. Oh Hi. Oh Hi, and welcome to another episode of Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast. I'm Rick Sorkin. I'm Sharon Koppelman. We're very excited to have you back. Good to see you. It's good to see you also. This week really flew by for me. How about you? You were traveling. Hold on a second. Give me a minute. Yeah, I'm just like... Are you crying? Like crying? No, I'm not crying. I just can't get fucking comfortable. The seat. I'm not. I'm not feeling these chairs, and I'm a little nudgy. I told you, let's bring in the dining room chairs. They won't be. Then we'll be sitting up to this. Then we'll be up to our. And we have to readjust everything again. Well, there's a blanket. Put a put a blanket. No, I'm good. I've um. You should put a blanket. I don't want to put a blanket. (laughs) I just want to just give me a minute, please. Hmm. Have some more bubbly. The chair will feel better. <laughs> you listened. That is true. Stuff like that's scary. I remember last year I had this back injury, as you know, and uh, I actively avoided opiates. I remember saying to myself, I was pretty immobilized, and it was like, okay, this is where possible two things happen. This is where I get fat, or this, oh, or this is where I get addicted to opiates. Because I was immobilized. It was about a month of, you know, not being able to move, move around. And I actively did not did not take pain medication and except for one day when it was it was actually unbearable. And you know what? What? Uh, it didn't hurt at all. I was fine. I was just loopy. I remember laughing. And I fell asleep. I had slept for 11 hours. And I woke up groggy. And I was like, oh, I get it. Opiates? Yeah. Yeah. So my instinct was right to not mess with them. I took that one pill. And I tossed the rest of them. But it was like one of those things was like, oh, yeah, it does feel better. Or like, oh, let's have some vodka. These little things like oh. work. So I was nudgy. You know, like, try some bubbly. Oh. You're right. I'm fine. Right. That's <laughs> but I guess it's moderation. People... Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Um, I'm great. I went to a um, traditional Jewish wedding in New York City. Very large affair. I think it was the most people i've ever seen at a wedding there were so far (laughs) i i don't yes (laughs) good point there were um i think close to a thousand people there it was a a fancy synagogue in the city so this this was uh are you going to tell in general who was getting married why there were a thousand people who were invited i was um honored to be invited to the wedding of a uh, gentleman I, I do some work for, and his son was marrying the rabbi's daughter, which is obviously a big deal. And so the entire congregation was invited to the wedding. Mm-hmm. I um, had that experience. Yeah? 
back in the day where the the rabbi's uh, the rabbi's relative uh, sorry the rabbi's child was married and we were invited everybody no I'm wrong it wasn't it was the bat mitzvah the rabbi's daughter was bat mitzvah and the whole congregation was invited and it was lovely and I said to the rabbits and the rabbi's wife it's really wonderful that you invited the whole congregation but how how did you come to decide to do that she said well uh, you know it's a nice community and i have a lot of friends within that this community mm-hmm. and there are some people who are new to the community and we're not friends yet but i know we will be so i wouldn't want to leave out anybody it's very sweet very sweet it's very sweet it's a lot of plates they but they, they did an incredible job and it was beautiful and musical and really great so i, I don't, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail it was really special I was invited to Davin uh, in the afternoon service, and I saw the, the ketubah signed. You know, really was invited into like this inner you circle. Did? Yeah, and there was wow. a ninety-year-old plus r- uh, rabbi who was there as an honor. I mean, there were people from Israel and people from, you know, very interesting and high positions all over the world and in different fields. It's a very, very special event. Uh, I danced with a lot more men than I expected to that night. Uh, you know, it's traditional, so women are on one side, men on the other. Sure. But one thing that I did notice uh, when I was there is I'm, uh, the food was outstanding. And there's sushi buffets and there's a pasta station. And there's, you know, really, you know, feeding a thousand Jews. There's no joke. And, and some of the families in the food and beverage worlds, they had to do it, you know, just right. And I'm a somewhat picky eater, as you are as well, a particular eater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and not that the audience would know what our, our food preferences are. Uh, I happen to be a vegan plus fish. So I, I eat fish, but I don't eat meat or animal products, including including dairy. So butter and cheese are, you know, in a lot of foods, and that usually precludes me from, from eating everything. And so I was being so, you know, tiptoey. And a friend who was uh, there uh, asked me if I was eating this or eating that. And I said, well, no, there's butter in that. And he said, there's definitely not butter in that. And oh, come on, you're into a, a custom pasta bar with, with no butter in the pan. And that's when I realized, of course, all the food was kosher. It was a kosher event. Uh, and So they had meat. They had meat. So you knew there'd be no butter because there'd be no dairy. But I didn't quite put that together. But at that point, you, you did. Of course. And for those not familiar, and I'm, believe me, no expert, but people who keep kosher in the Jewish tradition don't mix dairy and meat. And in, in fact, people who keep kosher homes have two sets of plates and everything, so those things never commingle. So... Yes, because there was a carving station with prime rib and other other things, they could not have any dairy, including desserts. So for you, it was a boon. It was mind-blowing, and I got to eat everything there. And you didn't have to ask every 10 minutes, as we sometimes do. I did, though. What's in here and what's in there? Are you sure there's no butter in this? I asked it six times. And the desserts as well, which I realize now why desserts tasted the way they did when we went to, went to synagogue. They weren't they're not very good. It's coconut oil or palm oil. Like, like parv, kosher desserts aren't known for their amazing taste, but they're all fair play for my particular diet choices. So I had this eureka moment. What I realized is over a long evolution of my own personal food choices, I essentially arrived at keeping kosher without the meat. That's that's really interesting because mm. normally it takes a lot of planning and preparation, but you went into it organically, so to speak. I stumbled into parva, and so I realized at, at, at that moment that vegan plus fish is the same 
as kosher minus meat. Yes. It, well, if somebody is traditionally kosher, they, well, if you're not having meat, then you don't have to worry about the meat being koshered, koshered. Yes, that's amazing. And now you know if you have uh, people over to dinner who keep kosher, it's very easy for you to cook for them. It's not easy for most people. Exactly. Well, and that is if your kitchen, of course, were, you know, totally purified. And right. I couldn't cook for kosher people because right. my kitchen's not, not blessed by a rabbi to be made kosher. But I can go to the kosher aisle or to the Jewish market and That's eat everything in there. <laughs> but not while you're standing in there in line. No, what kind of asshole will do that? <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice. But yeah, vegan plus fish equals kosher minus meat. Hot tip. <laughs> That's great. You could put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Mark last night. We saw, I saw John Wick 3. Uh, it was a two-hour chase scene. It was awesome. Do I have to see one and two? Mark to didn't. see three? No. I mean, there are things that you won't understand what's going on, but they, they explain them. I think you'll be able to catch up. Moreover, I don't think it's for you. It's extremely violent nonstop. Okay. Like the entire time. Then I will skip that. But big up Keanu Reeves, like practical effects and martial artistry and, and weapons specialty i mean he's like he's the man nice it would be real he's um and he's a great actor and i really enjoy uh watching the movies i've seen that he's done he's like an icon now and i think always has been if from the time that i first saw him i guess was in parenthood mm-hmm. um and he's great it would be amazing to meet him I mean, we live in L.A. You think you'd bump into him. I did meet him. him. I have met him. You, no. I did You're meet, just I, setting me off, right? I did meet... No, no, no. I did meet Keanu Reeves. I, uh, uh, it's, it, might be my, it might be my favorite celebrity interaction ever. And through, through work and play, I've met quite a few. Uh, and most of them are disappointing. Um, some of them are delightful. He was probably my favorite one. Why? It was just like organic and easy, and in those situations, you've met famous people, people before. It can go, it can mm-hmm. go pretty wrong, and if it goes wrong, it's like every time you hear or see their their work is just associated with this like one thing. I was in an elevator, and he got on the elevator, and it was just the two of us, and I was like totally calm on the outside, and on the inside, I'm like squealing. I'm like, oh my god, it's Keanu Reeves! <laughs> oh my god. And uh, we're, he's very tall. We're, the, we're about the same height. And there's this thing that happens when two tall men interact. You have to acknowledge each other. There's this thing that happens. And the two tallest, the two tallest people need to acknowledge each other. That makes sense. And uh, he and I did the requisite tall guy meet, which is just a little quick nod on opposite sides of the elevator. And then it's like, you know, we're only going, I don't know, eight or ten floors. It was pretty quick but a silence of maybe six or 10 or 12 seconds. And then he says, cool boots. And I was like, oh my God, that's like the coolest thing. That's just be cool, Sorkin. Fucking (laughs) be cool, Sorkin, don't. And so I said, you too. 
<laughs> and then the elevator door opened and we did the tall guy nod goodbye and holding his motorcycle helmet with his motorcycle outfit he walked walked off into the eighth floor sunset that's a great story <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story so he was motorcycle man yeah i mean they say just if you you see a motorcycle in la like you should kind of see if it's keanu reeves <laughs> like he's always on a motorcycle in la so you wanted to be a motorcycle man on wednesdays <laughs> i guess you were about Four and a half, and I asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, and you said on Wednesdays I want to be a motorcycle man, and on Fridays you wanted to be something else. I don't remember what it was. Oh, and you, you sure? had a little, a little, <laughs> a little bomber jacket. Remember? <laughs> I do now. <laughs> and um, you wanted to be a motorcycle man. Yeah, you had so many interests. You you had to. You wanted to, to do a couple of things. Which is amazing because it's it's true well yes it's true that's i do i do many things but it's amazing because motorcycle man's not a job well i (laughs) that might be a problem but it was it was cute at the time so hey i just thought of something you were talking about keanu reeves and i said the first time i saw him was probably in parenthood which was directed by um ron howard by ron howard and in this morning's new york times in the Sunday Times, there's a piece about Ron Howard because he directed a movie on Pavarotti. And we saw this movie uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, in a preview. And, uh, the, by the way, the, mo- the movie's excellent. It's a documentary, and it's excellent. And there's a couple um, pages on Ron Howard in here. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading about him. Um, I knew very little about him. And the piece that I really liked at the end is... Uh, there's an interview quoted that Maureen Dodd uh, is interviewing him and he she asks him a couple of things and you really should look on on the times and read this Um, she says you gave your children middle names based on where they were conceived Hmm. which is a very Sarah Palin move I'm not making this up it's the interview so he said the interviewer says that's a very Sarah Palin move And he said, I did that with all of them for their middle names. Bryce Dallas Howard, obviously, conceived in Dallas. Carlisle for the Carlisle Hotel for the twins, Paige and Jocelyn Carlisle Howard. And it's Reed Cross Howard. We happened to be on the road. They're on the road. Lower Cross Road. I didn't think Volvo was a very good middle name or Reed Lower Howard, but Reed Cross Howard. Wow. I, his sense of humor is... That's cute. It's funny. I don't know if it's legend, if everybody knows about this, but I never his heard sense that. of humor is amazing. That's very cool. Yes. So. Although the Han Solo movie was trash. It can't tarnish Ron Howard's legacy, of course, but it's like, you know, what have you done for me lately? Like the most recent work, as far as I'm concerned from him, is like that, that piece of shit movie. He's he's done some of the best directorial he's pieces. the best. That I... That I I mean, Parenthood. Um, yeah, I love Parenthood. I love Parenthood. Anyway, so that I that was interesting. That was that was good. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That's pretty. That's a pretty good, fun, even keel thing as far as celebrity baby names and not being too pompous about it and too you know abstract like celebrity. Have name. you ever heard that before? Not the conception as middle name. No, I've never heard that. 
Have you heard, do you know, this is a terrible thing to bring up with one's own mother, but have you heard the trick about how to name, how to to, to find out what someone's porn star name is? You take the first pet you ever had as the first name and the first... Wait a minute, what are you talking about? (laughs) So it's this like fun little thing that... No, I don't know. So you, you take like... Your first, or I would take like. Is this like an avatar thing? Yeah, it's like a to give a fun name kind of thing. If someone takes the first their first pet's name, followed by the first street that they grew up on's name, they get what is referred to as their porn star name. That's funny. I'm not playing, but it's funny. I can do yours for you. I really don't want you to and tell it's people great. any of the names. <laughs> and it's a great one. No, we're not going to go there. I'll move on, but mine is Frog Van Kirk. <laughs> Because the first the first pet I had was named Frog. I was young. I was three or four. That's the story. That's what I was going to say. My parents said, you should name this pet. And it was the first thing I ever named. And I named it Frog. And I know what you're thinking. What an unoriginal name to name a frog. But that's because you're wrong. It was a cat. Yes. We had a cat named Frog. I just want to know what a cat named Frog would look like. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dope cat name. I can't even remember what number that that cat was. For me, it was one, and that cat um, ran away, never came home. Didn't like its name. Not, I don't think that's why. People used to come over to the house and say, wait a minute, how many how, how many cats do you have? And your answer and is I the best. And I would say, how many have you seen? <laughs> but you would say it in this, and like... And they'd say, like, <laughs> three, and I'd say, okay. <laughs> and then our friend Debbie, Joanna's mother said to me, so you have a lot of cats. She said, we have three cats and we want to get one or two more. And we're moving into into a different house. So it's, there's a lot of rooms. She said, but they never all sit in the same room at the same time, right? And I said, of course not. So they no, moved Debbie, into the house. <laughs> I went to see her. I took David over to see Joanna one day. And I said, um, Debbie, she said, what? I said, all five of your cats are lined up in the living room. She said, I know. They don't understand. They didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I, th- I thought I'd go the other way, which is like, Debbie, what? no. Like, what are you, new? Do you not know how a cat works? <laughs> like, no, no. I'm not going to stay in the no, same place. she always had cats, but she said, you know, we've, we've had three for a while, and we want to add a couple more, and we think we have room, but, you know, we're just not sure if this is a good idea. And I say the following thing as a cat lover five cats lined up in one room is creepy <laughs> that's a scary sight <laughs> <laughs> oh, I what are you all up to no, I <laughs> scheming i want a cat. i don't i don't you what i want i've wanted a cat for a long time i don't have a, I don't have a great place for a litter box it's like the only well, thing this is everybody's me. problem and a dog too but i travel too much for a dog but i really want a dog all right well i'll tell you what i told my sister-in-law once when she said she was going to get a dog actually she might have just gotten one i'm not sure at the time she was working a lot of hours and and she she was going to get a a dog and i said why don't you just get a job as a dog walker that way it will satisfy (laughs) the urge to be around dogs and then you can go home (laughs) exactly yeah what are all the people who name their daughters daenerys without the series finishing going mm-hmm. to do about their daughters being named after a war criminal. Yeah. That'd be like, this is our oh, this well. is our baby boy. We've named him Kim Jong-un. And probably most of their population is named after him, right? 
Yeah, and I think his is one of the, like the five haircuts you can get. That's true. <laughs> you know that, right? What are you talking about? Oh, there are only five. What are you talking about? There's five or eight or eleven. There's a certain number of legal haircuts. Legal haircuts? Yeah. I know what I'm thinking. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going. I'm not going in, into political statements. That's. No. I got no. you a trip to North Korea no. for no. your birthday this year. You're going to go to the demilitarized zone Yikes. for a tea party. Yikes. How was your week? Uh, my week was terrific. I finally finished the painting I've been staring at for many, many, many hours. Needed one one more piece, and it just w- refused to tell me what that piece was. And finally yesterday, it gave it up. So that was my big accomplishment. It looks amazing. I'm really impressed. Thank you. I really enjoy doing it. I'm, I'm, I, it's called Architectural One. I'm probably going to do a series of three or four more uh, pieces in the, in the group. We'll see. I have, I have ideas lined up behind ideas. We'll see. That's the best and the worst. I have, uh, I have like 200 songs I want to finish. <laughs> I was thinking about um, going away. And just making art for like a week, like totally off the grid in like August. That's what I, I did after I that's retired. What what? That's what I did after I retired. Yeah, it sounds nice. So you finished the painting. That's great. I finished the painting. Had a uh, really, really um, beneficial and good training with trainer Anthony on Friday. That was good. You know, nothing off the rails. Just everyday stuff, but really nice, really good. Oh, the opera. Nice. We went to the opera uh, last Sunday. That was terrific. Nothing exciting to write home about, good. but all nice. I like that. It occurred to me this week that all the things that uh, made me an outsider as a kid are like totally in vogue right now. So everyone's eating like wheat germ and juicing. And are we eating wheat germ now? Crunchy. Well, I was eating wheat germ. On, didn't you tell me I'd come home from school? Yes, from nursery school. You'd come home and make yourself a snack. You would take out a cereal bowl and take out the wheat germ from the fridge and put the wheat germ in the in the bowl and put something on it. We didn't drink milk. I don't know what it was. Oh, I thought it was milk. It was like oh, almond milk? or juice? Oh, I don't no. know about almond milk. Maybe it was milk. I thought it was wheat germ and milk. I don't remember buying milk, but that was wow. a long time ago. Yeah, like eating, eating you, you know, healthy. wheat germ for a snack. Yeah, I, I used to bring... Or you'd come home and you would make fruit salad. At like six. No, nursery school. Four. Yeah. And I would bring crunchy granola to school and the kids would be like, what is this thing? And I'd <laughs> share it with them and I'll eat it and love it. And then some other kid made a crunchy granola business and sold it to General Mills for $600 million. <laughs> and I was wearing like cross colors and like bright colored <laughs> Nike track suits in like sixth grade and stuff that There's are like. a picture of you <laughs> on your bike with a pink. Nike hat. I know exactly what hat you're talking about. It was a it was a bright pink Nike hat. Yeah. Dope pink hat in like late eighties. And I found it like a year and a half ago after not having seen it for I don't know, thirty years. And I wore it to Israel and it the desert took it. A sandstorm scooped it up. Really? Yeah. So I uh, it was this interesting thing of like finding this artifact from my childhood and then like going to the promised land and and like sacrificing that artifact is how it felt and in a thousand years someone will dig it up in the desert in israel and say oh look oh at the artifact i found god 
Wow. And then hot pink will come back once again. I don't know what that's going to (laughs) do. We'll find like a genie lamp. (laughs) (laughs) The rock that killed Goliath and like my pink Nike hat. (laughs) Your pink Nike hat. I actually took a rock from the Valley of Allah and I have it on my desk at home. That's nice. And the Valley of Allah is where biblically David and Goliath fight would have happened. It's amazing. Slash did happen. And so in theory, the rock I have, it's not unreasonable to think one right next to it or just like it or that one was used in the slingshot. That's great connection. I think there was some sign about not taking things. Was there? No. No. Didn't seem right, though. How large is it? Um, Like 60 pounds. <laughs> no, it's like a little, it's like a, it fits in your palm. Just, you know how that story goes. Do not get caught trying to return it. I will not. So um, you and I went to Air One on Wilshire. Wilshire at 20... You and these ads again. Well, people like to know where you are. It's like when you read a book, a novel, and you say, I know that street. I was there. This happened there. It's, it's fun. If you don't know Air One, it's a market that makes Whole Foods look like a bodega. Everything's awesome we and organic. Everyone's like sexy. So we were there and we were shopping and you were waiting for your your green drink and I came over with some soups and things to put in the basket and I was wearing my very cute um, leopard denim jacket with a leopard scarf and a gal said to me, "I, I am obsessed with leopard. I love that. I love that. So we chatted for a minute and and I wandered off to go get some um, vegan eggplant for lunch and I came back to show you something and she was chatting with you and you said oh and this is my mother and she said oh oh okay you I didn't realize that you you were here together and anyway we made a new friend she has the same first name as you she was very intrigued by both of us and she was three blocks from me and we traded info, and I don't know what you were discussing while I was away, but when I came back, she said, what, how is it that you two are so close? Are so close?" And I said... And have such a close relationship, a friendship. And I said, it's a great question. I'm not, I'm not going to answer it fully because we're going to record a podcast, and I appreciate this prompt. That's, this is, you know, timing-wise, universe-wise, we came to Erewhon to get that... That question, I said, with the short answer... And to make a new friend. I said, the short answer is, I think that you two will exchange phone numbers. So I, I brokered a play date. And I said, and you, play date. and you can find out the answer because we have a podcast together. And she said, really? What's it called? And I said, everybody and their mother has a podcast. And she said, that's great. But the question was is a great one and, and not a simple one. Oh, actually, what I said it was... was very, it's very deep. What I said was it's um, a longer answer than can be provided, you know, standing at a juice bar waiting for a drink. Um, so what are your, what's your answer? Why are we so close? Um, I don't I don't know if I have the answer, um, but I, I it's not a simple answer for me. I can talk about how you were raised and how you reacted, and we share some um, behaviors and some beliefs. Um, from my side, I mentioned before in the podcast that I had certain goals for you and David 
forever from the beginning and while you grew up I had certain goals and there were things that I wanted to teach you and I did teach you and you and as I said before one was to keep your own space your own area in you know in good stead and clean and do the right thing and one of the others was to give back to community and you both obviously heard me and agreed with that because you both are interested in those two things among other things so part of it from my perspective is that um, because I was lucky enough that you agree with some of the things a lot of the things that I taught you or told you it makes us simpatico in that way there's not a lot of rub or major disagreements because we tend to see the world in reality in similar ways um, you are very perceptive and aware of things that you share with me and I learned from that and that's helped me so it's a give and take so again it is a sharing a meeting an agreement of the minds if we were polarized and had a lot of opposing viewpoints I don't know if the closeness would be as easy to achieve although I know of people that not necessarily relatives but people who really respect each other and enjoy each other and find each other interesting and disagree and debate things and have different viewpoints but I think that's probably harder harder I I'm interested to hear what you think I think it has something to do with how we came together in the world I don't know if I can explain that mm. we're both very fortunate slash lucky slash happy because we trust each other and that's essential but I don't know if I could um, I don't know if I could parcel out how and why that happened yeah I think a lot of that resonates <clears throat> I think our specific there's like the cosmic aspect of you know me being your son well and, then, said. and then there's the the nurture elements that created closeness and I think within the family unit the challenges with David the idea of having each other for reality checks gut checks you know that was something that's been always shared like you feel seasick about this thing like what is what's really going on here like we've been able to we've been able to agree on like the common com, the common sense answer you know just like situations whether they're with David or other other things that just like feel disorienting we always have seen things similar in similar ways um so i think there's some nature some nurture there's some chance there's just like it worked out where we just like each other you know um and i you just get like you get me in a way that very few of any have, have understood you know um which i think is true for a lot of people and their parents but i'm also we're also very fortunate because some people get along and are supported you know emotionally and nurtured well but don't always see eye to eye on like issues so i think there's a lot of luck a lot of luck involved i think, I think a little bit of a little bit of nature a little bit of nurture and, and some luck and also tr like you said like trust like we haven't 
you know, ever broken each other's trust. I can th- I think I can I can probably count our fights on you know one or two fingers at one hand for sure. Also, we don't. Um, oh, I've totally lost my train of thought. Um, trust. Oh. Also, we we aren't. There's no there's no anger in the relationship, which I think is unusual in relationships. Mm. I mean, how to go through a lifetime and not be angry over maybe anything or much of anything. But I don't know how that happens or where that comes from. And I suppose maybe it's serendipity and it is a fortunate process of just going down the same paths at the same time with similar feelings about it. That's where I think the nurture piece is. Like we've had a shared experience by being brother and mother of David, by being consistent and truthful through just different phases of life, whether that's living in different places or when you're married to my dad or remarried now. Like we've always, we've, I've always, okay, so in the context of relationships, you know, more less less parent-child relationships, but just in general, mm-hmm. I've always said that the goal or the, the reasonable hope is not that, I will, whether it's a friend or a romantic partner or whatever, but it certainly fits in this in this context. The hope is not that people change at the same in the same ways at the same time together, right? Because that's impossible, and I think a recipe for disaster. And I actually think it's the root of what causes most conflicts with with, with couples and friends. The expectation, the expectation that, that they will always be on the same, on the yeah, same, in the same place. Yeah, or I've come out of this cocoon and I'm a butterfly now, and you're still a caterpillar. What's wrong with you? Well, nothing's wrong with you. You're just a caterpillar, right? Um, I've said that the, I, I believe that the best case scenario is not that people will change in the same ways, or even at the same time, but that the grand hope is that the rate of change is comparable enough to evolve you know from a a depth perspective at the same in the same way with different lessons and different experiences and different changes happening and i think and it's a little bit verbose but i think our rates of change have been relatively consistent in terms of our willingness to listen to other messages from the universe the people we've we've spent time with the cities we've lived in the downtowns versus the suburbs the education there's been a couple of of comparable things in, our, in each of our stories that parallel each other in the sense that the rate of change has been consistent. I think that facilitates the ability to keep coming back to common ground and having that same sort of like reality check agreement. Like there, there are moments when something's happening or we're discussing something and we can just look at each other. We have some shared like, common experiences on a cosmic level. Mm. I think that the other, another piece of that is there's no jealousy between us, and there's no, or almost, I should say, almost no jealousy. Does that happen? What? Like, do people live in a place where they're jealous of their mother, or vice versa? Or their children? Yeah, are people jealous of their own children? I suppose that anything you can imagine, pe- different people yeah. have experienced. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's... A, well, you well, know, it's the, the whole the whole extreme of experience. 
Um, I'm just saying I, you know, I'm not sitting and, and, and meditating on this and coming up with every, every, um, version of it. I, I still can't answer the basic question. We, we don't, we are, our behaviors toward each other are positive. Uh, and again, I, I, I said before I've raised my children to grow up and be independent and capable behave as capably as as they can and to give back to a community and to follow the law and you know I had high hopes I have high hopes for everybody high hopes for everybody very nice we hope you enjoyed this relationship builder you can play at home as well, and good luck on that. Doesn't it seem like everybody and the mother has a podcast? Oh, oh, so I started a podcast with my mom. We wanted a theme song. Are we recording? Yeah. It's my podcast. It's my leaf.